Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,127. If you love it, fight for it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Stephen Agakani. Hey, Stephen, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Hell yeah, let's do this. Always ready. Stephen Agakani is a 15-year-old racer who started racing go-karts when he was just seven years old. After spending time at the racetrack with his father, when Stephen was ready to move from go-kart racing to exotics, began training with Michael Essa, the 2013 Formula Drift champion. Stephen was named U.S. Racetronics Development Driver at the age of 13 and has set record speeds for his age. And he just secured an FIA Pro License scheduled to be active for his 16th birthday. Can't imagine getting that kind of license when I turned 16. Pretty impressive. His racing this year included first place titles at the NASA and SCCA Pro Series Southern Region Championship. Stephen currently drives the Hurricane Super Trofeo Evo. So, Stephen, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Take a moment, share a little bit more about your career in racing. Uh, being so young is quite amazing, and your passion for automobiles. Of course. Thank you. It's definitely a blessing to have this as a hobby and definitely hopefully turn into a career. It's something I've always dreamt of, and I've always loved cars from the start. I wouldn't see myself, in, honestly, in any, any other hobby besides this one. I mean, my favorite one is, is life thrill, because you can have days where you're up and down and days where you're cheering and sometimes you could be pounding against the wall wanting to hit yourself i mean it's just all the drama and everything that comes with the racing it's just how it just how it is being going into cars at or karting at age seven i've always had like a passion and like love for speed and cars i remember back when i was super young my father had old ford gt lamborghini murcielago the first gen diablo and it was just an amazing car collection that's what kind of drew me into the cars and then ever since then I was riding with him in shotgun and then it was just, I just always loved the speed and the sound of the cars. And I just, I just fell in love with it. And because of that, I'm, look, I guess I'm here now. Look where you are now. Well, your dad never knew what he was brewing there. Maybe he did. I don't know, but I think that's pretty cool. So as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been uh, instrumental in your success in your life. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars yeah so steven take the wheel i would say probably the inspirational quote that i basically lived my entire life and my racing career is probably by mario andretti is uh if everything seems under control you're not driving fast enough and that <laughs> yes. quote just has so much meaning because it can totally differentiate a driver that can drive fast compared to one that can find the limits and really push the car like beyond and control it i think that quote has just has so much meaning and power behind it and that's probably one of my favorite quotes ever you know, I have a, uh, a giveaway book I do here for people who subscribe to Cars Yeah. It's called Filler Up, and it's filled with really cool photos, but it also has quotes, and that's one of the quotes that I put in there. It's always been one of my favorites. What's interesting to me, though, is and I raced vintage cars nowhere at the level that you're at, and I've always kind of thought about that because in old vintage cars, you don't really want to be out of control because if you hit <laughs> something in a vintage car, it's going to hurt bad. Uh, unlike yeah. the race cars these days. Not that it doesn't hurt when you do hit a wall, but how do you balance that out of control and in control? Because obviously you do want to be in control of the car. Is there 
kind of a razor's edge there where you kind of feel like, okay, I'm just on that final pointer. How can you explore that with us a little bit more so that us novices here can understand that concept? You could always compare the corner speed, all the turning points, all the breaking points compared to other data. However, if you don't have any data to back it up with, you'd kind of have to really just shoot blind for it and just kind of swing for the fences. That's, you know, that's kind of how I do it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's working out so far. Knock on wood, there's no mistakes going on so far, but you know, it's bound to happen. It's racing. People crash, people spin out, and you know, it's just part of it. I mean, I've had incidents, but it just comes with it. It's all a learning curve too. So basically, yeah, exactly. You're really just trying to push yourself, see how fast you can go in the corner, and then you kind of work out. If you spun, try a different turn in. If you keep spinning, then maybe you should back off the speed a little bit and then kind of work on a turn in point and then push your braking farther. You'd have to really battle against yourself in order to get the quickest speed through a corner. Exactly. You know, I had a y- another young racer, Aurora Strauss, a young woman on the show here, and she talked about when you start going extremely high speeds, 170, 180, 190, that things slow down, almost go in slow motion. And I've heard that from other drivers because I've never gone that fast in a car. Is that a sensation that you've experienced? Actually, yes. A while back when I was uh, 13, I believe, in Colorado, we took our Bugatti Veyron when we previously had the car and we decided to do 200 in the on the back runway because um, our friend by the name of Shift Sector, he they host events and they shut down airport runways. You can go half mile or I think three quarters or one mile. And then doing 200, it felt like doing 120. I mean, it, people wow. usually see the experience as something that would go really crazy, but being in the actual experience and feeling it yourself, you don't really feel a crazy effect. It almost feels like uh, like everyone said, being in slow motion. Yeah. But that's a yeah. totally different feeling rather than being on the track because on the track you have all the corners and all the braking and it kind of messes up and mm-hmm. you're always in like a fast forward motion when you're on the track because you're not going in a straight line and get tunnel vision. You always have to, you know, think five steps ahead and think of a corner. Yeah. I had Vic Elford on the show. He is a racer from way back when and he talked about racing Porsche 917s at Le Mans and being on the Mulsane straight back before they had a kink in it. And he said, you'd be going way over 200, and there was a little cafe on the left. And every time he went by, for a freeze frame, he would see this woman in a red dress drinking a, a espresso. And he goes, I don't know how that happened, but it was like you were going in slow motion, and you could capture that moment. So I find that very fascinating. Maybe someday I'll get to experience that. Maybe I don't want to experience that. I don't know. Maybe sitting in the passenger seat in your car, and you can help me experience that would make it much safer for me. So we'll talk about that later. Let's go back in time. Obviously, you grew up around a family that loved cars. Your dad obviously loves cars. So there must be a story in here somewhere that instigated your personal passion. Because I have some friends whose parents have cars, and they have no interest in them. But you obviously do. So is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you indeed were going to be a racer? You were going to be a car guy? To be honest, I really never thought that my career would take off as far as it is now. I mean, back when I was just go-karting, I thought I would just like go-karting and then just, you know, look at cars and think they're really cool. It was when I was 12, when the career really hit me, when we first got our Gallardo Super Trofeo, the very first race car that we ever got, that Mm -hmm. was when like, it really hit me and said, we can really do this. And now, as soon as I said that to my father, he was like, all right. We're going to train really hard and we're going to completely change your life if you really want to do this. And I agreed to it. And now we're training once, twice, even three times every month. And it's a whole totally different lifestyle that we're going into now. 
Yeah, you you set the hook and the commitment was made. Wow. Well, that's a very big commitment to make at a young age, but I commend you for recognizing that and, of course, having strong parents and supportive parents that can help you guide you through some of the, yeah, some of the mystical uh, mysteries of racing and and all the stuff that goes with it, especially the stress uh, for a young person. Um, That's awesome. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. And I kind of alluded to this early on. What I'd like to have you share is a big challenge or a big failure you maybe have faced along the way. Now, you're a very young guy. You're one of the youngest people I've had on the show. I think I've had only a one year younger, a 14 year old on the show. So that's pretty darn cool considering I've had a 94 year old on the show. So kind of runs the gamut here, Karsha. But I'd love for you to share a big challenge or failure along the way. You must have gotten to some points where you kind of went, what am I doing? I, th- this is not for me. Or maybe you never did, but it's racing. So there are challenges and there are failures. So walk us through one of those times in your life and tell us how that experience taught you some really valuable lessons so you can move forward. Yeah, definitely. Any record driver can definitely hit the speed bump and it can be a big one or it can be a small one. For me, it was a it was a pretty a pretty big one because I started at such a young age. I do have some advantages over some of the, uh, the older gentleman drivers. While they have more seat time and more experience with the car, that's the problem that I have. I have to work up and train a lot more to really learn the car and learn more about the tracks and everything because I'm I'm still technically just a young just a young driver. I mean, I'm only 15 compared to other other drivers that are you know 20 plus 30 plus years old they have 10, 20 years of experience rather than that's the, probably the biggest problem. And besides that, probably all the trash talking that comes with it. I mean, I've had so many people comment and say, Oh, you know, just a rich kid and a rich father that does just has a Lambo. I mean, of course, I mean, we are rich family and I'm blessed to have this, but along with having the car and the family, it also comes with the skill. It's one thing to just have the car, but it's one thing to also have the skill to back it up. That that definitely hit me back when I was 11 and 12. I mean, because I was super young and I had a totally different mindset than I than how I have now. And back then, it really it really hit me, and I almost wanted to stop racing because of it, to just stop all the drama. But stuck with my father. He told us, and he told the entire family, just like you know, support Stephen, and we can all get through this together. And we did. And now I just look at it and I comment. I make fun of, and like I make fun of the comments. Actually, it's pretty funny. Yeah, you know, there's some techniques that um, other people have taught me that perhaps grew up in wealthy families and they were victims of this kind of, I, I say it's jealousy really is all it really is. Um, and me, just plain meanness. I, I don't understand why people act that way, but we even see it in society these days of people who, who have worked hard and have things in their lives and people who maybe haven't worked hard or maybe haven't had the opportunities and they're jealous of that. But is to learn to duck and dodge, somebody told me one time. Just learn to duck and dodge. Just literally in your mind, when, when you see those comments coming at you, move your head to the left and let it go right by. And it, it's kind of an imaginary thing, but I love the, the fact you're able to turn it a little bit and twist it. And sometimes you just have to learn to delete and ignore. I think that's another part of it, because engaging with people that misbehave like that is usually never a winning situation. Uh, they're just not going to change the way they are. But I'm sorry you had to go through that. But you know what? It makes you stronger. As they say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Exactly. And uh, it helps you learn. It helps you with coping skills because, boy, ask any junior high kid what they have to deal with. And almost <laughs> all of them have to deal with some pretty big misery in their yeah. lives as they think back to junior high and the challenging times. So uh, kudos to you for having a strong family and you for being able to take those 
comments and twist them a little bit uh, so that you can have a little bit of fun with them and not worry too much about them. That's awesome. I'm sorry that happens to you, but you know what happens to everybody. So oh, it's all good. It just uh, happens. Yeah. yeah, it's just what happens. Well, let's shift gears and talk about uh, perhaps an aha moment in your career, a time, when, and you kind of alluded to one there where you decided, okay, this is the point I'm going to become a professional race car driver. But is there another big aha moment when the headlights kind of came on for you and you went, oh, yeah, this is the direction I need to go? Maybe it has to do with a car. Maybe it has to do with the kind of racing you want to do or something you're even targeting out there in the future. I would probably say, again, back when I was 12, my father and I went to Laguna Seca to support our team, U.S. Restronics, and their Super Trofeo race up at Laguna Seca. That was the very first time that I saw the prototypes running because I've only seen them on TV and, and you don't realize actually how much faster they are compared to all the GT cars. And so seeing them run and drive, that was definitely a big like moment in my life saying, I, I want to train and get up to that level and, you know, win the prototype series. And I mean, I'm still set on that goal right now. I haven't changed and I don't really plan on changing anytime soon. And it's just like, it's just a totally different feeling of driving, you know, a prototype with completely different aerodynamics and engine and technology compared to a streetcar, you know, with track parts on it. Cause that's basically right. what all the GT, GT cars are, mm-hmm. you know, being totally honest, they're not all hundred percent race car rather than prototypes are being hundred percent race car. Cause they're all yeah. full handmade rather than having right. a streetcar like body and chassis and just putting race car parts in it. It's a whole other kind of racing. And until you've seen it in person, that's when it really enlightens you way back in the day when they were running the Del Mar Grand Prix. Now, I'm dating myself here. This was the 80s. And I've always been into racing and cars. My wife, really not so much. And I talked her into going with me. And she got really excited. She goes, this is cool. And I said, well, you never liked racing before. What's the deal? And she goes, well, just seeing the cars go by. And that's a really tight circuit, kind of like Long Beach Grand Prix. Um, but just seeing them go by, she goes, you just feel them in your body when they go by the power and the strength and everything. I'm like, whoa, okay, well, I got to take you to more races. (laughs) So, well, that's cool. What a great series. Well, I can't wait to see you out there competing in that series because it is a wicked series and it's just so cool. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and you're welcome. Let's have a little bit of fun and go back and talk about your first really special car. Now, this could be the first race car you got in that you kind of went oh yeah, I'm here, or it could be a street car that you have that you're really fond of. Maybe share a memory about that vehicle. I would probably say the very first special car was probably a first race car, the Gallardo Super Trofeo, because that was just a, besides the fact that it was the first race car that we had, it was just such a big turning point in my life. And it really triggered a light that just fueled the passion like even more. Actually, before we even purchased the Gallardo, I mean, I was just sitting and thinking, I was like, there's no way that I could drive this car. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like super worried. And I was just like, there's no way that I could do this. But I mean, first getting into the car, I had such a good support from the team and my family. They're just like, it's okay. Like, take it slow the first couple of times. It's okay to go slow. Like, yeah. don't worry about it. Like, don't jump in it and try and. Yeah, try to break any crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I was super new to the racing world. So I didn't know anything. So I was, you know, first time driving it super slow, getting passed by BMWs, Honda. And I was like, what's going on? So <laughs> I told my father about that. And he was like, all right, let's go train. So then we took a bunch of, you know, testing and training days. And now I'm, I'm here completely lapping them three, four times. It's nice. totally different having the experience from the start. And then, you know, kind of seeing how far I've come. And it's just such a big meaning to me. Getting up to speed. Now, you also 
trained with Michael Essa. Tell us a little bit about the importance of that. Yeah, back when I was 10 years old, uh, we trained. He had, he brought out his BMW E46 M3 to do like a drifting and car control training. While I completely went in a different way of drifting, I would say that it was definitely a big help because I really learned car control and how to really keep a car on edge from there. And I think, I mean, Michael Lesses, he's an awesome guy. You know, I still talk with him and he's, he's an amazing friend. And it's just the training that, a drifter and a track trainer can do like, even though they go totally separate ways, you can definitely combine the training and kind of connect them to each other. And it's just such like, and it's like such a small difference, but it's all connected through the racing world. And so training with them was definitely a big step in my life. I would say. Yeah. Well, all about car control, whether you're drifting or you're on ice or snow or the track or wherever, a skid pad, you got to know what that car is going to do, the feel of it, and it, it kind of works all around, and then you combine all that training back into the kind of racing you're doing. Is that right? Exactly. And then yeah. actually, funny thing is that because of uh, that one, uh, the couple training days with Michael Essa, and because we also learned how to do some drifting, ever since then, every time that the race car would kind of step out and start sliding, I'd always lift one hand off the steering when i do one-hand saves. I don't know. It's mm. just a weird habit that I do, but for some reason it works. So wow. I'm just going to stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the last thing anybody would think you would want to do is take a hand off the steering wheel, but, <laughs> but I get it. I get it. Well, I know you're kind of young to have bought and sold cars, but is there perhaps a race car in the past that has left that you kind of wish you still had that is a memento in some way? Kind of a seller's remorse story, if you will. I wouldn't really say a uh, race car was more a street car, but Back in, I believe, 2011, or excuse me, 2012, my father had a pearl red Lexus LFA, and mm. that was probably one of my favorite cars ever, just the sound the V10 made, and that car basically started the, like, the digital dash. That car was just, you know, something else. I mean, the looks was, was crazy, and I mean, I read the whole background on it. Lexus took 10 plus years just to make the body and the weight of the car work. I mean, it was built out of steel and aluminum was too heavy, scrapped the entire idea and made the whole car out of carbon fiber. And so, I mean, to do that and completely scrap the idea and rebuild the entire car just to save the extra couple hundred pounds is just something that like, I don't see any other brands doing. I mean, you see McLaren and Lamborghini with the mono chassis and the mono cages and carbon fiber, but it's also a different feeling to have the entire car out of carbon to have that, you know, beautiful V10 exhaust. And it's just something different that I just fell in love with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Incredible cars, for sure. Well, let's talk about today and what has you excited and fired up. You're currently going to be driving a Huracan Super Trofeo Evo. Talk a little bit about what you're excited about this upcoming racing season, your team, what you're doing. What has you fired up right now, Stephen? I would say probably the spirit to get out there and, you know, kick some ass. I'm ready to, you know, be people on the track and see what I can do against them. Because all the SCCA and all the... uh NASA races, you know, I'll go against GT3 Cup cars and I'll, you know, I'll get up to their speed, pass them and lap them. But it's also a different feeling to go against another Lamborghini. And we've done training before where we've done that and we've put a faster person in front of me. And for some reason, I have this odd habit where I would go faster chasing. So we put them mm. in front of me with the faster lap time. I ended up passing them and breaking a personal record. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of so weird. you need so, that competition. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I need the competition and the really the big like fire to get me going. 
Um, right. It's really pushed me over the edge. And I think that's what I'm most excited about is to go against a bunch of faster guys and see how I can go up against them because mm-hmm. it can always happen. We could spin out, crash, lose a race. I mean, it's just what it is. But I feel like seeing where I stand right now, I feel like I have a pretty decent chance. But I want to see how I feel in person. That's what's kind of like keeping me on my toes and keeping me training is that I'm ready. I want to really go out there and show them everyone what I can do. Sure. Well, it's that, that fire of competition, which you certainly have. What you have to have as a racer is the willingness to get out there and mix it up and go for it. And uh, having that rabbit out in front of you is not never a bad thing. It's not even a bad thing in life and business or whatever. If you're a runner or a race car driver, uh, having somebody out in front of you that is faster keeps you on your toes and keeps you going and teaches you some things too. As long as you don't drive into the wall like they do. That's another. <laughs> that's the main thing you don't want to do. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're really excited for you coming up here in uh, the new seasons and so forth. You're driving an awesome car. Uh, keep in touch with me and we'll follow along with your racing. And I'll make sure I put a, a link to your website on your show notes page here at Cars. Yeah, what's the best way for people to follow along with you? I would say probably my Instagram and Facebook page. I'm always posting a lot, you know, posting. Could be my daily life or my, also my Stephen Racing account on Instagram and Facebook. Really explaining more detail about like the cars and how progress is, uh, is really going. I would say more of my personal Instagram would probably be more just like the fun things I do in my life, you know, kind of like the off time stuff, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Average 15 year old, average 15 year old that <laughs> races cars. Not so much average there. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Stephen. If you were a car, if you were manifested into a vehicle or a race car, what would you be and why? This one definitely took me some time to think of. I would definitely say because I'm kind of clumsy. <laughs> it's actually a funny story. I'm pretty clumsy. Like I'll fall a lot of times at the track. Actually, like no one will notice. Like thank God, but I actually fall a decent <laughs> amount of times at the track and I trip over myself. And then I put some thought into it. I would say probably call me crazy, but probably BMW M4 because having personal experience driving that car, that car mm-hmm. is either walking straight and gripping, or you're falling over and drifting the entire time. It, that car is okay. kind of like an on and off switch. Ah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, you put some thought into that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Very good. Well, you're a tall, thin guy too. So maybe that's part of it, but, uh, I wouldn't worry too much. That's just, that's just you, Stephen. Well, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design 
and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Stephen, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You've been in this position. The white flag's out. Time to put your foot into it. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of the throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received? Hands down, my father. If you love it, fight for it. That's what I live by. You know, even if it's not racing, it can be whatever. It can be whatever you want. If you love reading, if you love art, if you love it, then fight for it, work for it, and try and perfect it. That's that's really how what I love. Awesome. You've got a great mentor there in your father. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your successes over the years? Uh, I'll probably say I have this weird uh, habit of randomly in like the middle of the night, I'd get out, go for a run and work out randomly. And I think that's like, <laughs> wow. how, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's kind of weird. That's helped really helped maintain my body. Um, you mm-hmm. know, keep me in good shape besides the workout regimen that I already have. That definitely helped. And I'm probably also probably gaming too, because that could sharpen your senses and help you um, fix the car slide if it does step out. I think that's also yeah. something that has also helped me. Quick hands, for sure. Well, I know a lot of race car drivers who use simulators and things, which is basically gaming in a way, I guess. Um, so yeah, sharpens your eye to hand coordination and even feet in, in ways that uh, you can't imagine. So very cool. Well, in the middle of the night workouts, I have to try one of those. I don't know if I could do that or at this point in time in my life, but it might be a good idea. Now, is there a resource out there that you're really fond of that you'd like to share with the Cars yeah audience? Uh, probably my Instagram and, and or uh, personal website. Yeah, great ways to stay in touch with people, especially if you're a race car driver and you want to expose yourself to your fans, which is always a good thing. So they can kind of feel like they're part of your life. And uh, sometimes they might get a little too close, but uh, uh, they can see what you're up to. I think that's a great way to stay in touch. Now, if I can arrange for you to sit down and have a drink, now at your age, that might be a lemonade. So let's stick it to that. Or an iced tea, but have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or the racing industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? I did have a couple of choices for this. Mm -hmm. I think in the long run, I think hands down, it would again, I mean, we do it all the time, but I think again, it would be my father just because of all the support and love and helping me get into racing. I think besides that, no one, no one else could really help me. I think I have to thank him for that because besides him, I don't know what I would do without him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very nice. Nice, nice answer to that, Stephen. So how about a book, Stephen? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would really enjoy? I think probably the uh, book by Christopher Hilton, Art and Center, the whole story. It really goes in detail of how he got into racing, um, you know, his whole background. And I think it really, you know, can change someone's perspective about car racing. If they don't like it, they just want to get into it. You know, it shows how much, you know, effort and trouble that someone has to go through. And it can show the, the dangers that it comes with, even, you know, going through his crash that he had in 1994. 
is something big that comes with racing, but I mean, it's just how it is. And this book really gives a good overview on everything about racing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great book. It sits on my shelf too. I'm glad you mentioned that. Ayrton Senna, one of my favorites as well. Very inspirational guy. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Stephen has shared on his Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Stephen Agakani, and I'm going to spell that for you, A-G-H-A-K-H-A-N-I, just like it sounds, Agakani. And check out all these resources. I've made it really easy for you to find all these things with quick clicks. Stephen, we are up to the checkered flag. You've been in this spot many times. But this question could be a little bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car or vintage race car. Money is no object today, but there's a couple rules. This is the only one you can have. You can keep your street cars. I'm not worried about that. The only collector car. You have to drive it. You have to enjoy it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other race car parts with. Uh, So that little trick's off the table because I know racers, that's what they would do. Uh, I want you to keep this car and enjoy it uh, for a long, long time. And it's the only one collector car you can have. So what car can I buy you, Stephen? This really took me some time because I had so many options. I would probably say I'd come down to the McLaren F1 GT. The old old race car, specifically with the Golf livery. And that takes me back because my father used to have a 2006 Ford GT Golf Edition, car number seven. And they kind of having that extra like relation with the golf. It kind of takes me back to when I was a lot younger and just, you know, getting into cars. I think I'd probably settle on that just because, I mean, the engine, the whole exhaust and just, you know, the single seaters, all the cool factor of that car. Yeah. Well, Steven, you have expensive taste. I think you broke the bank this morning here. That's <laughs> going to be an expensive car. But, you know, I'm glad you added the word GT at the end. Uh, I've had a lot of guests want a McLaren F1. Love those cars when they came out. I was fortunate enough to visit the factory when they were building those cars and got to walk through, it was more like a surgical arena, if you will, uh, the environment that those cars were built in because they were just hand-built, spectacular cars. But adding the GT and then the Golf golf livery, oh my gosh, that is going to be a cool car to have in your garage. You can drive that on the street, drive it on the track. Nice choice, my friend. Well, Stephen, you've taken us on a great ride around the track today. I knew you would. Really love getting to know you, your spirit as a young person. Uh, launching off in this career of race car driving. So happy for you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us maybe a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that McLaren F1 GT? (laughs) I would probably say if you have a passion that you really like and love, go for it. Don't let anyone stop you and hold you back. I mean, that's your choice. And it could take you along a beautiful life journey or it could take you along one hell of a life journey, you know? Only, Only the future can tell. I would probably say if you want to go for something that you love and you already made mistakes in the past, you can't control the past, but you can control the future and what you want to go into. And I think that's something big that people should really, you know, pay like focus and more attention on. It's kind of the past is the past. It happened and you can't change it. You know, unless time travel is a thing all of a sudden, but you can, but you can change the future and then people should fight for what they want. and really, you know, focus on what they want to do in their life and they should focus that with the future. I think that's, you know, another thing that I also love to live by is kind of past of the past. I, you know, used to suck at racing. I'm getting better and I'm controlling that through the future. Yeah, very nicely said. That's why I say that the windshield is much bigger than the rear view mirror because it's what is in front of you rather than what's behind you that's really important in your life. 
Nicely said, Stephen. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with your racing career and what you're up to? Probably what I'm up to would be uh, our website, www.stephenracing.com or personal and racing account on Instagram and Facebook, stevenagakani06 is personal. And then Stephen underscore racing would be the racing account that shows all the updates on how racing is going. And then the personal account showing what's going on in my daily life. There you go. Well, listeners, I'll make sure I put links to all these on Stephen's show notes page so you can find and follow along with this young man of what he's doing. Uh, absolutely incredible. Great. Love to hear what you're doing. Uh, really excited to keep up with your future here. Stephen, thanks for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your racing experiences with the Cars yeah audience. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member Finra Sipic. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!